What's up, heroes? Welcome to the Producer Life Podcast, episode 71. Today I want to get a little legal, just a little though, because I'm not a lawyer, but I do have Aaron Green on from EasySongLicensing.com. Aaron is the Vice President and Director of Sales and Business Development, and he's spent the last 16 years helping artists clear tracks so they can legally distribute cover songs, as well as leading a team that handles custom licensing agreements. Easy Song Licensing is CD Baby's preferred partner for this sort of thing, and they've helped over 60,000 customers, including myself. In the last 60 days, I've used them to clear two different covers, my Techno Syndrome cover, you know, the Mortal Kombat theme song, as well as a Simon Garfunkel Scarborough Fair cover. I had a great experience both times, so I invited Aaron on to talk about covers, remixes, mechanical licensing, all that stuff. But first, cue the intro music. All right, Aaron, welcome to the Producer Life Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Brian. I, I'm looking forward to this interview. This is a little different than than my usual guests. I haven't had many companies on talking about services, but uh, I have become a big fan of easy song licensing over the last uh, 60 days or so. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we uh, speak to a lot of indie artists, DJs, uh, 501c3 schools, churches, anybody that needs music rights, I'm more than happy to chat. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so maybe we start at the beginning. So what what is your role at the company, Aaron? Yeah, I'm director of sales and vice president. I'm also a co-founder. And our uh, parent uh, company name is actually Legacy Productions, Inc. And uh, DBA Easy Song Licensing. And uh, we actually, oh, I'm, I'm, I can go into the roots of our company or you, you're just more um, curious about my actual role. Um, both, both. It'd be interesting to, I understand you guys have been around for about 15 years now. Uh, yeah, at, well, actually we started in 2005 and we actually started out as a record label where we did, uh, I mean, not your traditional record label, more of a, a CD fundraiser company for schools and churches. And, uh, we eventually expanded out to 13 different States for mobile recording sessions and concerts. And, we had some fabulous producers, just just an excellent stable of, uh, of of producers there that would go on location, and we would handle all marketing efforts, fundraiser efforts, as well as licensing and post production, mixing and mastering. So the whole shebang. And uh, yeah, one thing that set apart was we actually handled mechanical song licensing for these audio only products, which lots of studios would either neglect to do this or um, hire a third party, but yeah, that was all done in house. And eventually we started easy song licensing in 2008. And then about six and a half years ago, almost seven years ago, uh, we scored a very key partnership, uh, with CD baby, uh, you know, the, the, the largest music, uh, independent music distributor in the world where we're, we are their licensing vendor and we're basically an extension of their customer service department, all things music rights and questions. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's how I found you guys through, through CD baby. They, uh, you guys were their prefer, preferred provider for licensing issues. So, um, what is the big problem that you solve for musicians? Well, number one is bridging the gap between, um, the actual cover artist who's using copyrighted material with compositions they didn't write and, or master sound recordings they didn't record and uh, clearing those rights, either publishing on the songwriter interest side, which you have to do anyways, that's like your oxygen, no matter what audio you're using. And then, um, you know, like for example, uh, we have a custom licensing division where um, anything that needs special permission, like you're using a composition in a video or a film or an advertisement, or it's a derivative, or you're adding original composition to a copyright, that needs to get cleared. You need express written permission and only the songwriter administration can do that. And we work with over 8,000 publishers and record labels where we have these key relationships already intact. And, uh, you know, anybody that tries to call Sony universal Warner cobalt BMG, any of the majors typically don't get 
answers or they don't get the answers they may like. Uh, so we have agents we work with in all departments of these large conglomerates and um, we go to bat for, for musicians or companies or anything that involves music rights. So um, having, you know, dealing with intellectual property, we kind of operate as a broker. And obviously we want to set up everyone in a position to succeed, but if you're changing lyrics to like a Beatles or Stones song or something like that, obviously we're probably not going to take the job on unless, unless we're going to park a Brinks truck up to the admin and offer an obscene amount of money. But, um, but again, it's just a, a nice big brother to the music industry just to kind of educate people on um, you know, the vibe on all different types of uses, which you can and can't do, as well as you know, how do these approval parties operate? What, how do we put our best foot forward? And so, um, yeah, well, I'd like to say that we, we provide a, a valuable service where traditionally you would talk to an entertainment lawyer. There's a whole fleet of entertainment lawyers that use us on the ground floor, but um, we give free consultation and we can break down anything imaginable, whatever you ask. We've probably dealt with it 10,000 times over. <laughs> yeah. I think that was one of the things that most impressed me was how helpful the staff was because when you create your submission, you can have this conversation back and forth on this discussion board. And I had a lot of questions, um, not only there, but I also called and you know, I was on hold for maybe a minute. And every time that I called, I got a live person, and they were extremely helpful asked, answering my uh, uh, newbie questions about cover licensing. So, yeah, it was a really good first experience. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I mean, just like any kind of busy restaurant, you have to have an amazing staff. You have to have your chefs. You have to have your hostess. You have to have your waiters and waitresses. And uh, no, we have a fantastic team. I call them our music Navy SEALs. And uh, uh, my um, the, the co-founder and myself, uh, which is Mark Mickle, um, we, uh, we've designed this where, um, you know, you could put our business model up on a billboard and this may sound braggadocious, but you, we could tell you everything that we do, but it, it's, it's the hustle. It's the people it's, there's no secretary you speak to when you call up our 1-800 number between 8am or 4pm central time, you're going to get a live human being. And we recognize this value early in our company because there's so many people that don't know what they're doing. I mean, the, the motto I always use is there's no such thing as a dumb licensing question. So it's a complex <laughs> jungle and we have the machetes <laughs> and we're, you know, we, I mean, I mean, the way I, I uh, train my staff is this is like music karma. Not every human transaction involves a monetary transaction. And again, what goes around comes around. We're here to give solid sound help about music rights definitions and what publishers are like and, you know, just to, just to really, really kind of be a good friend to them. And it doesn't always involve taking money over the phone. It's just saying you might want to switch your project to this or, okay, if you're doing a video sync project, can I suggest the following or, you know, these songwriter administrations are by Sony and Sony can be very expensive or they don't allow derivatives or lyric changes. So, there's a way you kind of have to finesse and kind of be warm to the public and you have to make yourself available. So when you have a call center of humans who know what they're doing, AKA these Navy SEALs, I mean, speed and efficiency and friendliness is always going to sell. It's kind of a game. Like when you email or wall post us, it's a game. I tell my, my staff, I mean, if you can get back to them the very same minute or the very same five or 10 minute transaction, you have a lifer. And again, they're going to tell everybody they know about you. And it's just, it's going to take care of itself that way. But if they actually need help with an execution of a license, we're here to give transparent upfront information. We're not here just to take your money. We have to make sure that you have the budget, you have the music rights, the term, the, the actual use and context of your project to succeed. And so, you know, that, that involves an excellent customer service staff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you you used a lot of a lot of jargon, and I'm hoping that maybe you can break some of this down. Um, and and maybe I think the two sort of core parts of your business are cover licensing and then the custom licensing. Can we kind of start off with the cover licensing and maybe explain you know what is a cover versus what is a remix, um, and what is this mechanical license that you speak of? Absolutely. So yeah, when we're talking about cover versions, and um, I mean it's a it's a 
mainly a U.S. term. Um, sometimes when we have European or Asian or Australian clients, cover version, they might kind of over the phone or over email might give me kind of a, a weird look. Uh, I, I'm imagining the weird look. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> cover song. Um, when we're talking about a straight cover version, that means you as the cover artist re-recording your own instrumentals and vocals, or if there are vocals, a composition obviously you didn't write, uh, like a Bob Dylan song. And it's exactly the same lyrics from start to finish. And it's the same fundamental melody. You might take some liberty on like a guitar solo or something like that, or maybe kind of like, um, like, you know, like jazz artists with improvisation. It's okay. As long as the melody and the lyrics are the same, that's what we call a straight cover version. And if you're going to release an audio-only product of a straight cover version of a song, you get a mechanical license for digital downloads or physical media, okay? And, uh, yeah, there's a lot. Um, like, for example, um, CD Baby, our partner, they require you to have at least a digital download mechanical license because in our country that is actually mandatory to have one. And, um, and it's, what's nice about this is what we call U.S. compulsory law. And maybe a lot of your listeners don't necessarily know that exact term, but what's great is the gov- U.S. government created this back in the day to basically foster creativity, to say you don't need to have special permission from the actual rights holder if you're going to release it in these parameters. And, you know, again, audio-only product, private listening to the end user, and you haven't altered the copyright or added original composition, and you own your own master sound recording. and. S- You've re-recorded your own instrumentals and vocals. So you have to file it and register it with all publishers who own that composition. And you have to send them royalty checks. And royalties are based on what we call the U.S. full statutory rate. And as of today, it's um, anything um, under 501 in time length would be 9.1 cents per unit. And so you have to report these units as you, as you di- distribute. And so, yeah, that really is what encompasses a mechanical license. And this is in our clear cover song portal. Again, you don't need special permission, but, um, you know, our company already has all the companies where to file this, where to send royalties. And then we email you what we call a proof of licensing document in two business days. But we have to report your artist name, your album title or release title, or if it's just a single, it would just be the copyright name, your recorded time length what music media formats audio wise that you're releasing and then at what quantities you're, you you want to license up front and and when you say what quantities you're talking about the like cd sales like the physical sales right yeah i mean i mean yeah like vinyl is vinyl is i mean i mean that's this is it's not a not a secret but vinyl is exploding people are there's, I mean, I mean, we do a lot of mechanical licensing. Whatever you manufacture, if you manufacture a, a, a thousand vinyl records, you have to license a thousand. Um, I mean, again, even if you're using them as doorstops, you know that that vinyl reproduction company, um, you know, again, their policies should be to verify mechanical licensing, but otherwise, the musician, you know, or the band artist would have to kind of sign off on liability for that. Um, and then we're also talking about digital downloads. Digital downloads and physical media is mainly in 2021 what you get a mechanical license. Now, when it comes to interactive audio streaming, like the Spotify's of the world, all those major DSPs, digital service providers, as of 2021, they are all supposed to report streaming and licensing to the MLC collective. Uh, in the United States. So that is streaming is now supposedly automatically handled. And I don't mean to throw in the word supposedly, this is just such a new law, such a new process. You have a few government agencies and some other, you know, efforts in the music industry that have come together and uh, they work with CD Baby and uh, DistroKid and TuneCore, you know, large independent music aggregators where streaming is automatically reported. But that's not the same case for physical media or digital downloads, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bit – so, for example, uh, the, the I think your standard fee for the uh, cover song is $20, and that includes 
um, I, I think like 20 physical media sales. So if you sold 20 CDs at a concert, that's included. It includes like unlimited streams because that's handled behind the scenes, the, the mechanical royalties there. Um, but I, I'm not quite clear what you mean by digital downloads. How does that differ from that? That's like sales um, through Amazon or iTunes. Yeah, any online store that is selling a digital permanent download where the user gets to keep the audio file on their device. It's not simply streamed every time that you log into Spotify, for example. A download is permanent on your phone, on your computer. It can be stored in any any type of device, not just the website or the platform of use. Got okay? it. And that's where the 9.1 cents per download comes in. Correct. Correct. And then, yeah, our, our website comes, us and actually Harry Fox, for example, both have a 25 unit minimum that you have to license up front. Got it. And and after you sell 25 physical items, then you have to come back and, and buy another license in a chunk. Correct. Yeah. Most aggregators have what we call like CD Baby inside your account. They give you like quarterly, what we call trending reports and you can track what's gone out the door. And if you ever were to exceed whatever quantity you license up front, very easy to come back and reorder, and it's much, much cheaper. But you can start out with whatever quantity you want, but most people start out with either 25 downloads or 100 to start. That's that's typical. Okay. Uh, one of the things, go, going back to what you talked about earlier with what constitutes a, a cover song, you talked about being able to like take creative liberty on the solo, you know, on the guitar solo or something like that, or maybe... Um, I don't know, like when there's a group called Modern Day Jukebox, for example, it does kind of swing covers of classic songs. Is that still considered legally a cover song if it's sort of adapting the genre to a different genre, but still maintaining the same melody and the same lyrics? Yes, yes. The um, the best. And, and again, it's very common to do different instrumentation, different tempo, different genre. Like all of a sudden you're taking uh, maybe a famous reggae song and you're doing hard metal to it the, the how i mean and and again the melody has to be recognizable to the original it might be faster might be harder it might have a kind of a different vibe but if you were to remove the vocals of both the original version and the cover version and match them up kind of do the pepsi challenge and kind of listen to both if if they're recognizable to one another you know that's considered a cover version if I can't recognize any melody with the original, I would usually recommend to the client to sign up for our custom licensing services where we are brokers and we will extract all project information and we'll craft and submit a proposal to the publisher. And it's obviously our job to make sure you come off as harmless as possible. We share the, the audio file and that publisher will take it and either approve it, deny it, or they will actually go to the actual, their client, the songwriter camp. And that could be a lawyer or a manager or the composer, him or herself, to kind of weigh on it and judge and say, oh yeah, that's record, or you know, that, that might be a new melody. We're going to approve it as a normal mechanical license. We will call it a cover version, but there's no publishing income or shares. Like we don't want that cover artist to go register that work in ASCAP or BMI. We still control the intellectual rights. Even though the melody is different, that's just an example I'm throwing out. But yeah, I mean, lyrics are very straightforward. You added lyrics or you changed lyrics, that needs permission, point blank. Only the songwriter camp or the publisher can issue that permission in the first place. But yeah, okay. melody and which, which genre version, I mean, for the most part, like your example, that's fine for a normal mechanical license. That's kosher. Okay, terrific. And then you also talked a little bit about the the custom licensing. So basically, that that's sort of a catch-all category. Anything else that you want to do that you understand somebody else owns the intellectual property, you guys act as the intermediary and the broker with all the connections and you can go to them and say, "Hey, here's what here's what our client wants." And then you work out the licensing from there. Yeah, that business has actually been I I I will tout it up a little bit. Um, it, it's just been exploding over the last year and a half. I mean, we were busy before the pandemic, but um, even like around March 2020, things got started really spiking because you have musicians at home. Everyone needs to stay relevant. You can't tour. You can't perform live. So we're pushing out content. So custom licensing is anything 
that's not a standard mechanical license. That's even if you want to produce a music video and you want to put this up on your own website or you're promoting your own business, like your own real estate company, or you've remixed a master and you're using a master sound recording inside your track. And so the record label would need to give permission in addition to the publisher. And these can be two separate plans of permission. So you need an agent who knows what they're doing, who's plugged in, who knows what jobs to take on to kind of screen requests, screen budget, to kind of screen music rights. And it's hard for us to always predict what will or won't get approved, but usually it's going to depend on the approval party. And usually what I stress with with our clients is it's not always that the final decision isn't always about you kind of ethnocentric musician. It's about what if, what is the songwriter camp approved in the past? What's the baseline? Do they charge a fee or can we work out a deal where they get all publishing rights to maybe your new version of the song? And maybe you have a, a, a small or a decent following yourself. Maybe it's good for their catalog. So there's a lot of variables at hand and it's a, it's kind of complex, but we try to, that's why we try to make it as easy as possible because, again, we know which doors to knock down. We know how to paint that canvas. We know how to really make sure you come across as successful as possible and really making what you're doing shining and to really kind of give our, you know, go to bat for our clients and sharing budgets, sharing media rights, sharing terms of use. And, you know, it's it's a hard thing to get done, but but our our team, I mean, we get lots of approvals and but it but it involves a heavy screening process to make sure, okay, if you want to work with this songwriter camp and you want a one year term for video sync rights for internet streaming, like you want to make your own music video or you wanna promote your band or a tour or merchandise, you know, this this is probably the budget that you're going to need for something like this. Or can we get away with this for free? Can we give away some concessions here? So, yeah, acting as the broker, custom licensing—that's been—it's been a very popular service the last year. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so, so that gets a little more complicated. The cover licensing with the mechanical license sounds very straightforward, as long as you keep the lyrics and the melody intact and recognizable. You can get creative with the instrumentation. Now, just to confirm you can you can also delete the lyrics entirely right you can do a uh, instrumental version and that's still a cover is am i correct on that yeah that's correct i mean as again um you can omit lyrics um again as long as what you're doing is not what we consider um like a like a significant copyright alteration like you're um you're not adding any original co- like you're not adding your own original verse if it's all instrumental only but you have a really killer you know, California surf guitar, you know, you know, something like that, or you have a slowed down version of a fast song, or maybe you're doing all instrumental again with that melody argument, as long as that's the same and recognizable. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with getting a mechanical license for that. Absolutely. Okay. I I can definitely see a lot of producers kind of jumping on that because that, you know, it, it is fast and it's inexpensive and it keeps you legal. And again, just keep the recognizable melody and either the lyrics intact or make it an instrumental or you can omit things you just can't add. Like I can't insert my brand into somebody else's lyrics, for example. I can't use theirs to promote myself. Like I can't Correct. substitute, you know, band name X in the lyrics, House Ninja, you know, that that would be clearly misusing their lyrics. But if I want to, if they have three verses and I want to only do two of them, omitting's okay, just can't add. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, I mean, I want to make the point that it's not like impossible to get those derivatives approved. Again, it depends on the publisher. And there's some publishers that are very, very flexible. And if you're willing to give up all publishing income, you know, all publishing rights to your version of the song, and maybe you do want to throw out like like a, a, a non-recoup fee to them. Maybe you can submit a budget to them saying, this is what we work with. This is my this is uh, my group. This is what we've done. And sometimes it's like an audition. And 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 you know, we we work with so many talented producers and musicians, and their rendition is could be fabulous. And the songwriter camp just loves it. You know, so 
Yeah, it's just something to think about. Okay, so you used two more words to add to our digital glossary here. You you talked about derivatives and you talked about the publishing rights. Can you explain those two things? What, what is a derivative work versus a cover? Yep, derivative is any time you alter the lyrics or um, alter the composition. You're altering either the lyrics or the music. You know, um, it's basically taking the same character of the song and maybe you're changing a few words around or you're taking the same meaning, but you're writing your own brand new verses to it. You know, it's a derivative. It's, it's basically, yeah, it's altering the original work. That's what a derivative, it's a derivative can also, I mean, underneath the, the, the umbrella of derivative, you have, you know, translations, a translation into a new language could be considered a derivative or, you know, you changing the city name in the song to your own hometown could be considered a derivative, you know, I mean, again, it's pretty minor, you know, but again, how you present this to the publisher it's just going to be lyric changes or they change the composition. You know, that, that's really what it is. The, the composition, the instrumentation between what constitutes a creative liberty on the instrumentals, you know, like, again, uh, um, modern day jukebox and their, their, their swing takes on songs, you know, is, is versus what when that becomes a derivative. That's, that seems very mushy and gray and open to interpretation. Right. You're not wrong. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are correct, sir. Yeah, there's a lot of gray lines. I mean, hence why we have our custom licensing department. And at the end of, end of the day, we're, we're a third party. We are not the rights holder. Uh, people, people can hire us to go to the rights holder in the first place. And again, I'll bring up Sony, for example. Sony is the largest publisher in the world. They have the largest market share. They have phenomenal large songwriter camps. They don't have everybody. There's a lot of majors out there. But Sony, for example, will not allow derivatives with mechanical requests. Like I've had people do gender pronoun changes, changing a he to a she, or making a 1970s, 80s songs that maybe not, some lyrics may not be so PC and you're making it more Disney friendly in 2021. No, those are, for, for your average third party, uh, like a, like a, an indie artist or producer, it's a no across the board. We won't take it on. We already know what Sony's going to say because they have that blanket agreement with all their songwriter camps. Because what a lot of people have to understand is about the invisible hand of permission here, where it easily could be a Sony-only decision, like they have power of attorney over that catalog or that composition. But I'm here to tell you there's a lot of times where when you have, you're introducing something new, again, like a derivative or new lyric changes or a new melody, there's many times with that, between that publisher and their client, which is the songwriter, who's it? maybe it's the songwriter themselves or next of kin, lawyer, manager, what I was alluding to earlier. Sometimes it's a mutual decision. Sometimes it's an exclusive, nope, only the songwriter camp is going to make that call. You know, and we have to present our case. <laughs> so, yeah, what's considered a minor lyric change could be huge. It could completely alter the significance and the vein of the song. And again, like Bob Dylan, a lot of Bob Dylan works, a lot of major songwriter camps don't usually like to have their lyrics changed too much. And if it is changed, okay, let's check these guys or this group out. Let's see what they're about. Is it, let, let's hear their MP3 file. Let's hear if they're, if they're worth you know, approving. And again, so again, lots of gray lines and it's, it's hard for us as a third party. We just have lots of experience. We've sent out thousands and thousands of requests to so many different publishers. If it's a small self-published artist or who, who manages their own catalog, it can be a very easy and quick transaction or even a middle, middle of the road publisher who's not a Sony, you know? Um, and it's our job to make sure you come off as harmless as possible. <laughs> making a firm <laughs> offer. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so the so, so we, we we talked about the distinction between cover songs versus derivative songs, and and, and the big one to watch out for is changing lyrics, um, which which greatly complicates things. Um, what about DJs? We do remixes all the time. So what is a a remix, and does that fall into the cover licensing, or is that something totally different? Yeah, I mean, number one, whenever you submit, let's just say you would go to our website, easysonglicensing.com, and you see the clear cover song, 
button. That's that the clear cover sunk portal. That is your standard mechanical license. You're not doing anything with it. Um, if if we see the word remix in the title, our team automatically has to red flag it because it could be when you use the word remix, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people in the in the music licensing publishing nerd level that we're we're at <laughs> and, I, and i do emphasize the nerd in that right away we're thinking okay did this artist sample a master sound recording or audio he or she does not own and that's usually the first question when we get uh, like someone who's a dj or a producer where'd you get your audio did you re-record all your instruments and vocals I say, oh yeah 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 i did i own my own master rights i say great what is how would you interpret your version and the difference between your version and the original. And we'll, and, and, and what's nice is that this is free information. They can call us up. or Again, we're crazy enough to have a 1-800 number or they can email us or wall post. And we'll talk about your project. Oh, all you did was speed it up? Or, or you made house music to an old ABBA or 70s disco song or something like that. You added a harder beat, but you did it all yourself. Same melody. Great. Go nuts. That's a standard mechanical. Like, let's vet it out first. Let's make sure we don't make assumptions because we're not, I mean, we can't technically give you legal advice because we're not lawyers, although a lot of people do treat us as such, but <laughs> we can speak off a of past experience and we can say, okay, is that really what you did? Great. Because when you sign up for a standard mechanical license, you're automatically agreeing to U.S. compulsory law that you're not changing the melody, private listening to the end user, audio only product, and you're not messing or altering with the copyright. So yeah, remix. Yeah, let's talk about it. What is it? Okay, it's just a different type of genre. Okay, now I now I now I understand what you're doing. Cool, go after it. But you know, I have a lot of DJs say, "Nope, we haven't changed lyrics." And then I'll I'll ask about master rights. They say, "Well, yeah, I sampled the original. <laughs> I sampled the original yeah. Gorillas." I'm like, "Oh, really? Oof. Yeah, that'd be yeah. custom licensing because I I'm a third party. I can't speak on behalf of that rights holder." And this mechanical license doesn't cover samples, audio samples. Only that, only that, that, that record label that owns that audio can say yes or no, or here's the fee, or well, we'll give it to you for free, but credit the following. So I can't speak on their behalf. I have a service for you, though. And so that's how that would work. So again, yeah, remixes, or if we see, you know, I mean, again, I mean, no one's going to put adaptation, but we'll look at the title and we'll say, okay. Is that the copyrighted title, you know, that you entered? And people will enter their own original composition. And then we'll finally find out, oh, we're looping one portion of that copyright. And we're maybe using 10 seconds of it, but we're looping it throughout the song. Or we're just using it for that 10 seconds in my track. Well, I'm here to tell the client, that's what we call an interpolation. That's you taking a copyrighted composition that you don't own, and you're embedding that small portion into the body of your composition. Obviously, I can't say yes or no. That would be custom licensing. So we have to go over all these types of questions and we have to listen to audio, break it down and kind of, you know, try to help give people, sometimes it's tough love. Sometimes it's good love. <laughs> Sorry. Don't mean to be corny like that, but <laughs> no, uh, it's all good. I'm like, okay, is that a straight cover? Nope. That's funky. You're doing something funky with it. I, I don't want to get you in trouble. You got to get permission for that. Again, we're here to protect, educate, not litigate. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was that was my experience. I my titles both included the word remix, and that immediately triggered a conversation with. Um, let's see, I'm trying to remember who it was: Gabby and Lainey and Sarah, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And and we talked back and forth, and you know, all of my sounds were original, and so they're like, "Yeah, you can you can you can license this as a cover." Um, I still wanted to keep remix in the title because people don't typically search for covers, but they do search for remixes. So for, for, I guess there was kind of this distinction between the marketing title versus the way it's licensed legally. Um, and, and, you know, it was, it was exactly as you described, it was a conversation back and forth about what made up the composition. Right. And again, the reason why we, I mean, for the obvious reasons, I mean, you know, we have to red flag that and just, just to say, okay, is this, is this, are you abiding by compulsory guidelines? But um, I'll give you a story. Like we're very close with Disney. We do, we have to do a lot of Disney like clearances for our clients. I'm not sure if all your producers say, <laughs> you work, work with Disney compositions, but um, like, for example, when we report these, 
you have to report to the rights holder, which is going to be a publisher in most cases, what we call an NOI, notice of intent. Inside that notice of intent letter, we have to give your album title or your project title. And I can tell you when publishers read this, if they see the word remix, again, their nerd licensing brains, could, the bells could start going off. And they'll say, Aaron, you sent an NOI for Joe Smith under this song title with remix. Did you reach out to the client? Did, 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 I mean, again, they might investigate themselves. And I'm not saying they're going to hunt down, do a witch hunt on every single person. <laughs> and again, there's a lot that probably slips through the cracks. Because at the end of the day, you're agreeing to compulsory when you sign up for a mechanical license. But we're here to make sure that doesn't get to that stage. And again, if you tell me as the artist, Aaron, we have to have the word remix in there. Yes, I understood everything you said. I'm here to tell you, yes, we check all the boxes. We're looking good. We can do that. I say, great. And if we're on our way and nothing ever gets red flagged or pulled up or, you know, CD Baby doesn't get contacted by a rights holder, great. You know, I mean, it's, it's it, at the end of the day, it's up to the rights holder to take action, to issue a takedown or talk to the talk, talk to us or talk to CD Baby to make sure they go over it. Because they'll listen to the audio and the proofs in the pudding. They'll say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Great. Or no, we think that they're sampling our master and this is why we think it. And so, again, we're here to kind of, you know, stop all the back and forth just to make sure our, you know, our clients are in a good position. Again, being a friendly, nice big brother. And again, yeah, remix can trigger that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing we haven't talked about are, are public domain songs. And and uh, can you talk a little bit about what public domain is and, and when that might play into this, this mix of uh, covers and licensing and, and um, custom licensing? Sure thing. Yep. In the United States, anything published before 1924 would be considered public domain. And that means you can do whatever you want with a public domain piece. And again, we're talking published before 1924, not necessarily written. So it has to actually be, be published there. But, um, you know, like, for example, Amazing Grace or I mean, I mean, there's, there's a zillion public domain songs. Um, again, there is no publisher who claims intellectual rights anymore. So you're free to do whatever you want with it. You can add original composition. You can do whatever you want with that. But usually what I'll ask right off the bat is, okay, it's a public domain song. Are you using sheet music for any reason? Are you, you know, is there a copyrighted arranger? Because lots of major publishers will obviously have their major artists write their own rendition, and that becomes extremely popular. So that's like the new version. Like, for example, um, an, an interesting case is House of the Rising Sun right? Mm -hmm. And by the animals, a fantastic, fantastic vocals and their interpretation of it. But at the end of the day, um, that composition, you know, is not by the animals or their publisher who actually wrote the lyrics. That That's an old blues song, you know? That, again, you can do whatever you want with House of the Rising Sun. But again, that's just composition rights. You obviously can't take the audio of the animals, and remix it and do what you want with it. But by all means, that's been verified public domain status. The U.S. Copyright Office has already identified that. Um, also, there's other great websites like pdinfo.com. Uh, um, there's a few public domain sites where you can actually research it. But one thing I would stress to your listeners, too, is that we do free copyright holder searches. We have a huge, huge database, and we're constantly going out. We actually have real humans doing real copyright searches and you can put in your list inside the clear cover song portal and we do a free copyright holder search within one business day and that involves identifying public domain works or nope that is actually 1932 you got close but there's actually a copyright holder that still claims it and you still need to license it interesting so that's yeah so yeah, i mean you get to check out you don't have to check out with the mechanical license if you sit tight even though you see a price just know my team will be in touch within a business day. We're not going to hound you. We're just going to send one, one, what, one little reminder. Okay, we did your copyright holder search. Let us know if you want to purchase the license or if you have any questions. And again, we just need to know the correct song title. And we need to know either one of the composers or songwriters or the original recording artist. Like you say, that's a Robert Johnson. Okay, we, we, okay, we know what you're doing. We need two pieces of the puzzle. And sometimes, you know, you'll say, well, this is 
an old folk song or this is Kumbaya. We don't know who wrote Kumbaya. So that's, that's what we just call traditional, even though, you know, we, we know for sure it was before 1924. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, mentioned something interesting there. You you talked about the, like, if you've got a piano composition, even if it is a, um, an out of copyright melody, the, the arrangement and the composition that's done by a modern pianist may still be protected under copyright law, correct? Correct. Correct. And yeah, it's like anything you buy off of Hal Leonard or Sheet Music Plus. I mean, normally if you do have sheet music outside of a hymnal, um, most often these are published arrangements and you, you know, usually inside the first page inside the songbook or at the very bottom of the very first piece of the sheet music, obviously you'll see some, you know, small, small text there and it will usually identify who the actual original publisher is. And again, we have all those, those connections and tools and database to identify, okay, that's Concord music group or, um, or no, that, you know, Nope, that's a, that's for sure public domain. That was actually published on 1923. That qualifies. That arrangement does. So, yeah. Okay. So, if if somebody wanted to do a public domain song and create create a composition with that, the only way to really safely do it would be to go back to the original sheet music prior to 1923 and and use that. They is that correct? If they are using sheet music, you know, that's a fair, it's, it's a fair question to ask. Um, if they tell me it's Amazing Grace, again, I will ask them, did you use sheet music? They tell me no. I say, great, you, you, you learned it by ear. There's nothing wrong with, a lot of musicians will learn it by ear, or they can just emulate it, and they've done their own rendition. Great. If you're not using sheet music, and you're telling me it's this public identified song, public domain identified song, great. Go after it, go release whatever you want, add your original composition, then therefore you have the freedom to do it. So we'll ask them. But if you're creating, let's just say, um, like sheet music, if you're transcribing your own sheet music off of, let's just say, a copyrighted arrangement or a copyrighted composition, we're talking after 1924, you know, um, if, if you're making your own sheet music, you do need a print license. You can't just make it even to give to your group or perform it live in public. You still need that, that, that print license in the first place. That's also under our custom licensing division too. Yeah. I guess a sort of uh, case in point, the, um, so one of the songs that I licensed to you guys was a Scarborough Fair. Um, I called it a remix, but it was done as a Simon and Garfunkel cover because while there are, when I was doing my research, there are tons of artists that have done uh, covers of Scar, not covers, have done Scarborough Fair as traditional. Um, but it it didn't feel quite right to me because when I went back, I actually found the sheet music on PD Info um, and and bought the sheet music, and I played it in, and the melody sounds nothing like what we would recognize as Scarborough Fair today. What does sound like Scarborough Fair is the Simon and Garfunkel ver- version. So at that point, I thought, you know what? I, if that's the melody that I'm I'm using, I, I, it needs to be a cover. It's not really a traditional. Excellent example. Yeah, that's an excellent example because that's what we'll ask you. Yeah, which version are you doing? Are you doing Simon and Garfunkel? We'll we'll know which popular versions are there right off the bat. And again, yeah, we'll ask you about your sheet music or lack thereof. You say. But usually people identify by the recording artist, and therefore we can immediately identify if there is a copyright claim. Or, you know, in some cases, like there's large artists like Simon and Garfunkel, no, they never really claimed their own copyright arrangement of it. It's not registered. There's no publisher to claim it. They called it traditional. They never made any of their own sheet music because of it. And it's not registered in ASCAP or BMI, you know, like a performing rights organization. And and, and they never you know, accredit them themselves as a copyrighted arranger. Great. That's still considered public domain. And again, sometimes at the end of the day, before you bash your head up against the wall, why don't we just ask the publisher? How about we just make make a quick call to their mechanical department just to make sure? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, What I, I suspect I've probably asked most of the common questions you get, but are there any other ones that you frequently get from artists? Right. Um, what what is frequent is just because you get a mechanical license, people will assume that one 
license can parlay into another genre of permission. <laughs> like, for example, I, I brought up the sheet music, the print license, or I brought up video sync licensing. Just because you have a mechanical license for an audio-only release, that doesn't necessarily give you the right to use your version in a commercial <laughs> or, or in a different type of a non-audio format, or to take your music and put it into a, a play or a musical. That's a different type of permission. And so, you know, anything that's non-compulsory will need permission. So, yeah, I mean, I get people that commonly say, well, I'm now going to put this on my Facebook or Instagram account and I'm making my own music video. It's okay because I have the mechanical license. I say, okay, hold your horses. You usually need a video sync license and only the copyright holder can issue a video sync license. My company can do a mechanical because, again, we revert back to U.S. compulsory law. Because you've checked all the boxes for that particular license. Because, I mean, video sync licensing is huge. I mean, Brian, that's probably another hour discussion we could have <laughs> just on that alone. But, yeah, okay. the parlaying from one per, you know one license to another is, is common, misconstrued with, with a lot of our clients. And, again, it's not a dumb question at all. It's perfectly legitimate. I already paid this money for it. Why can't I have it in these other formats? Well, it's U.S. copyright laws and what publishers allow and what they don't allow, you know? Yeah. I, I guess one point of confusion there for me is that, um, you know, CD baby, when you submit your music to them, they also push that to YouTube. And I think YouTube just kind of comes up with a, a static image. You know, it's not like some sort of music video they create, but it does go to YouTube, which, you know, when you said that it, it sort of made me think, all right, well, wait a minute. Why, why doesn't that require a sync license? Right, right. Well, I will say this. Uh, about about a decade ago, um, YouTube uh, started making blanket licensing deals with lots of major publishers. And and basically, the, the key here is that YouTube pays out what we call public performance rights through ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and all other performing rights organizations throughout the world, uh, depending on the country and the territory of use and distribution. Uh, that's a huge selling point with a lot of publishers. The only problem is you can't necessarily assume that all songwriter camps are okay with that blanket deal. How is their music being represented? If there's something they, they don't like or an image they don't like or they find offensive, they can ask YouTube to take that down. You, as the cover artist, have already agreed to the YouTube terms of use. And again, like what you mentioned with CD Baby, like, yeah, a still or a static image of your album cover, for example. That's what we call user-generated content. And that's usually pretty harmless. But again, it depends on the approval party. There are some small and middle-level publishers that own very large copyrights that don't have those blanket deals in place. Or they're gonna, they want to make sure you report to them the link so they can monetize the video and throw up ads on it to compensate them. Or you get like, for example, I'll commonly bring up the, the classic rock band, the Eagles. <laughs> Supposedly, the Eagles' uh, living songwriters and even those that, were, that are deceased, um, they have supposedly can't stand covers. They don't like covers. And if they, you know, again, it's not uncommon for them to take, to ask their teams to take, you know, work with YouTube to take down cover, certain cover videos. I'm not saying yeah. that's, that's a common practice, but again, YouTube is a weird, it's a weird magical island. <laughs> Any other website would require a formal video sync license. And I, I have to do lots of YouTube sync licensing. And it also depends, okay, are you looking to monetize the video? Do you want to, do you want to fully monetize or do you, could you care less about monetization rights? But yeah, usually with CD Baby for those simple album covers, those are usually pretty harmless. And I don't hear about too many of those videos getting taken down. Yeah. Okay. What, um, what do you wish more artists would ask you? Um, to not devalue compositions. Um, what's interesting is that people don't look at a, com a, a copyright as like a very, very rare Rolls Royce, which it is. <laughs> um, they don't look at it as like, for example, I were to walk into a supermarket and I'm going to steal some bread and milk or steal my favorite cereal and run out of the store. That's like point blank. Oh, that's unlawful. Call the police. You know, let's, you know, that, but, but, but these are intellectual rights and to, to borrow a composition or to alter it and not seek, you know, 
seek approval for it. It really devalues what we do. And I get it. People, humans want to make what's convenient and accessible and affordable to them. I totally understand. They'll say, well, I'm a nobody, Aaron. Well, I say, I always ask them. I'll flip the script. I'll say, I totally get it. I can't control what you do. And I'm not here to blow the whistle on what you do. But do you write music? Nine out of 10 times, I'll hear, yeah, I write music. I'm like, okay, how about I go take that and I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go use your recording or use your master, your composition, my marinara sauce commercial, and I'm not going to pay you. So it, it, it's a level of respect and really knowing that this really is like a tangible, extremely valuable asset. And it's, and, and it's, these are huge money makers for, for, for rights holders. And the fact that not, you know, there's a lot of times we do get gratis and free permission. Not everything comes out with a price. There are certain companies like Sony that will demand pricing and maybe something you can't afford, but just know this is a living, breathing, valuable baby to these publishers, and it's just a level of respect. And it's, sometimes it's a way of modifying, you know, you know, your request to a certain format or a certain style. I don't want to mess on the creative side because that's that's what art is, and that's what we respect most from our clients. But again, sometimes all you have to do is ask for permission, and it's given. <laughs> you just had to ask for it in the first place. So that's that's usually the big the big point I like to make that we, there's a lot of hard workers on, I mean, we work very hard and again, we're not the publishers, but again, these are, you know, this is a huge, huge business, especially in our country for many, 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 many decades and, you know, value it, value these compositions and the right processes to get this done. Let me, let me ask one last question. And this this may be opening a whole nother can of worms, but um, so you've, you've referenced multiple times U.S. copyright law, but obviously CD Baby and other distributors publish globally. Um, So how does, how do these licensing agreements, does that cover you overseas as well? And, and how does that work? Yep, you're talking about mechanic, like audio only, mechanical licensing. Right? Yeah, like yeah, yes. So a cover, okay. cover, cover license, mechanical license, audio only streaming. You know, am I covered just as well in Russia as I am in Kansas? Right. So CD Baby. So the um, the distributor origin is key here. Um, like where their server is 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 located. Like for example, CD Baby is a U.S. company with a U.S. server. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you need um, we every country has their own copyright laws and logistics and procedures. In our country, you have to get a mechanical license, and that's and traditionally that's handled by companies like myself or people working direct with publishers. Or in some rare cases, the online store has their own in-house department that handles reporting and licensing. So every country has their own laws. So CD Baby, for example, works with all online stores in all different countries that deals are already set up within that country's performing rights organization, PRO. In a lot of other non-U.S. You know, countries, um, they have one collective that handles not just what ASCAP and BMI does, but they also handle mechanical royalties and reporting. And you have a, and so basically, when when distribution takes place, that reporting and that licensing is happening automatically in that country. And again, there's a lot of major publishers like Sony, Warner, Universal, BMG. They have sub-publishers and offices in all territories throughout the world. So they're already plugged in with those countries' laws, those countries' copyright societies to collect royalties when distribution takes place in their country. But again, if I have a UK client who is working with a UK distributor, my US mechanical license isn't going to do much good. However, we have zillions of international clients that work with CD Baby. Just because their residence isn't in the US, they're working with a distributor from the US. Therefore, they need my license. They need the US mechanical license. And it's, and Brian, I, I realize this sounds very complicated, but it, it always comes down to the origin and wherever. And again, all these online stores for digital distribution, these are already plugged in to each of these countries' copyright societies. So royalties are being dispersed appropriately. 
No, that was that was a fantastic answer, and that was that was much simpler than I expected it to be. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'll blush. I'll blush on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, good job. So, um, all right. Well, where where can my listeners find more about easy? This is kind of an easy question. Where can we find more about easysonglicensing.com? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, our <laughs> website's great. Uh, yeah, it's easysonglicensing.com. And, uh, you know, you can, we're very accessible. Once you get to our website, uh, you know, you can email us, you can wall post. We have a 1-800 number listed there. Um, and if anybody ever has any questions for me personally, my email is just my first name, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at easysonglicensing.com. Um, it comes with a caveat, though, Brian. I'm sorry. We're actually overhauling our website. And this is happening uh, this summer, like in July or August. It's just going to be called easysong.com, although it will all funnel to the same place. Okay. And I'm sorry to throw this curveball at you at the, at, the, uh, at, the, at the final hour here, but we're actually opening up our own publishing administration division where we help clients register their original works and we help represent them when special projects come around to act as their broker and make sure that we can execute deals on their behalf. So it will just be called easysong.com with our custom licensing, mechanical licensing, plus publishing administration for your original compositions. I had to do the used car salesman plug-in. I'm sorry, Brian. No, that was great. <laughs> I usually I, I usually follow up with the question about what's coming next for you guys, but that's great. Talk, since since you bring that up, elaborate just a minute. What what does that mean, the publishing administration? Break that down for for my listeners. Absolutely. So what that means is um, any new compositions that are not currently registered in ASCAP or BMI, which is, you know, ASCAP, BMI, these are PROs, public public performing rights organizations, and it just pays out public performance royalties. We have key partnerships in place where we can register your compositions and not just the U.S., but public performance rights in all countries throughout the world. And you're, and, and, and you can collect through one source. And at the same time, we also offer a service where if there's an independent filmmaker that wants to use your composition or your master sound recording in their project or Netflix comes calling or another indie artist wants to do a remix of yours, you want to be adequately represented and you don't necessarily want to hire a lawyer. Well, <laughs> you look no further. Um, we actually have been doing this for, for years on the side with a lot of, lot of customers where um, I, I've secured some Netflix deals where, you know, these are these are cover artists that had no idea their music would ever end up in X, Y, or Z, and they want to get fair market value. They want to make sure that a deal can be executed, and they're not taken by the woodshed in the deal. So they'll hire an expert like myself to go to bat for them and really make sure that they're well represented and they get full compensation of what's owed to them. You know, um, last thing there. That's on the publishing end. Also, we're going to have a service where we will help you register your works with the U.S. Copyright Office. So you'd get the official, the official certificate from Uncle Sam where you're officially, like if you ever needed to prove it in court or you're just proud of your achievement or just an extra backup, you know, you're officially registered in the U.S. Library of Congress. So that will be another, you know, kind of a, a side um, service that we're going to provide with pub admin. So there you go. That that sounds appealing. I've I I had looked at you know I've, I've heard people advise registering with copyright office, but then when I started looking at all that it took, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a a <laughs> headache. So if if you guys have a streamlined way to do that, that um, that sounds pretty appealing. <laughs> Checkmate. That we do. <laughs> all right. Well, I really appreciate your time, Aaron, and and I think uh, think my listeners are going to find this very useful. And and thank you so much for your time. Oh, Brian, excellent interview. I'd love to do this again. And again, hit me up anytime. Any of your listeners, no such thing as a dumb licensing question. Happy to help. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Brian. Quick reminder: neither Aaron nor I are music attorneys. We're just providing information, not advice. Hiring a music attorney who's well-connected in your community is one of the first things you should do anyway when you start growing as an artist, so make sure to talk to him or her about this stuff. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review wherever you're listening, and then share it with a friend. And if you'd like to hear my Mortal Kombat or Scarborough Fair covers, you can find them on every major platform. Just search for The House Ninja. 
or you could check out the show notes page at producerlifepodcast.com, episode 71, and I'll leave links for everything we discussed today. Oh, and if you decide to use Easy Song Licensing, please let them know you heard about them through the House Ninja. They have a referral program, and you mentioning me will help support this podcast. Until next week, this is the House Ninja reminding you to be somebody's hero today. <laughs> <laughs>